This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I thought it was good. I thought we uh, kind of just put like three periods together where um, we managed the game and there were mistakes that were made, but we were kind of able to not let them snowball and just kind of keep going. You know, I've learned a lot and I think definitely a little bit more comfortable than I was that first game, but you know, there's great players on all four lines from you know every team in this league and um, every day every day is a new challenge and just trying to you know take in as much as I can and you know just be you know living the moment as much as I can. I've liked what a lot of things we've done. In Detroit game, you know the, the defense was basically Vassy. Uh, but tonight we we got in lanes uh, we did, we did a lot of good things. And there were a couple times we were hemmed in our zone a bit, but I never felt you know, it was a huge, huge, you know, stressful situation. Uh, but like, let's be honest, they got a really good team over there. There's a reason they're still ahead of us in the standings. And uh, they got a, a bunch of workers in there and, and, uh, and skill guys, and uh, they're hard to play against. And so I see why they have a whole bunch of wins. And so I you know, feel fortunate we got to come in here and uh, get two points. I thought that was a really good win and a very solid road trip for a team who continues to munch points. We will talk about it throughout this broadcast today. And we are glad you're with us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. I am Greg Linelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning Dave Michigan. Steve Versnick is our producer. What else do you have for us? X, that's right. You want to tweet mm-hmm. at us. Is it still tweet? It's I asked that. Did I think you Steve said it's it's a post now, right? Uh, you know what? I don't think anybody's caring. Tweet at us, please, at Bolts Radio. You understand where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. Dave, we've been covering this team uh, right from the start. There's been some ups and downs, and I think it's fair to say the Lightning collectively over the last couple of weeks are starting to play a lot better. Why is that? We have given various reasons. I think defensively they're starting to be better for sure. I think, you know, Nikita Kucherov continues his onslaught of the National Hockey League. But I think for me, this does come down to goaltending first and foremost. When I think of the Lightning, you think of stars. But a lot of people will say Stamkos hadn't been in Kucherov. I think you almost have to put Vasi as the number one when we talk about what makes this team tick. Why are they so dangerous in any setting, in any series? And it's because of Vasilevsky. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a game changer. And we've seen that in pressure-packed situations. And I think for a lot of people leading up to, again, the last couple of weeks when Vasi came back from his surgery, the question was, he just he's good. He's been very good. But he doesn't necessarily look like Andre Vasilevsky. Whether that was fair or not, I think that was a little bit of the narrative. I think it's fair to say, especially over the last couple of games, but I think the last couple of weeks, Andre Vasilevsky is starting to perhaps round into form. And that's complemented by the fact that his, his teammate, Jonas Johansson, was able to keep everybody's head above water until he found his form. And the rest of the league better take notice. And again, this isn't a perfect team, and there are some flaws. We've we've acknowledged that. But what I'm taking from last night, Detroit, last handful of games, I think the biggest positive outside of the Lightning munching those points, which is very important, is that it's coinciding with elite-level goaltending. And I think if that ends up staying 
the same path moving forward from here on out, the Lightning are going to be one of those teams where you just don't want to play them in any setting because of what you have, not only surrounding Vasilevsky, but simply put, trying to break him in a seven-game series. Well, goaltending is certainly a big part of it. I do think they're defending better in front of the goaltending, and there have been a few hiccups uh, along the way. But if we go back to the three games the Lightning played before Christmas, and they won all three, that's a 16-game span. That's not a small sample size. I mean, it's not 82, but 16 is not five, right? And the Lightning have gone 11 and five in those 16 games. So I have talked until I'm blue in the face about that dividing line between allowing two goals and three goals. And the Lightning have done better in that regard, that they have had more games, particularly once we hit the second half of the season, which started with the four-game homestand after the Lightning lost in Boston in early January. They've done a, a more consistent job of holding the other team to under three. But you can live with three. I mean, the Lightning have shown they they can score enough that if you if you allow three, you're giving yourself a chance still to get points. So in those 16 games, how many times have the Lightning allowed more than three? They allowed four in a win against Vegas. That was right before Christmas. That's one. They allowed five to the Rangers in a 5-1 loss. That's two. They allowed seven to the Bruins in a 7-3 loss. That's three. Technically, they allowed four to Winnipeg in a 4-2 loss, but one of those goals was an empty netter. So I'm going to I'm going to count that as a 3 because they allowed 3 with the goalie in the net. So in a 16 game span, they have held the other team to 3 or less in 13 of them. And in one of the games that they allowed more than 3, they won it. They beat Vegas 5-4. That is that is a positive trend line. And and it is coincided with the goaltending because you're right. Like Detroit could have scored more than three in the game on Sunday if not for Vasilevsky. So the goaltending has has gone hand in hand with that. But we, I mean, you've agreed with me. I know I've probably been more vocal about it, but you have been lockstep in agreement with me, Greg. The Lightning's path up the standings is going to start with improving their goals against. Yes. 100%. And they've improved their goals against. It's not probably where it needs to be still, but it's gotten better and it has coincided with them moving up the standings. They are 11-5 in their last 16 games. It has also coincided, and Coop mentioned this postgame, with some of these younger defensemen coming in and giving the Lightning really good minutes. Now, the two guys who have played the most and also together the most are Lilleberg and Crozier. But let's not discount the impact that some of the other guys had. Like, Carlisle had a really good game in Minnesota. Jack Thompson came up in the Boston game, which was a loss, but I thought he showed well. And he isn't a defenseman, but Gage Gonsalves gave the Lightning a couple of really good games, I thought. Both wins when he came up. So, yes, the Lightning are trending up the standings, and their defensive numbers are improving basically on a on a game-by-game basis. As we look today, where are they? 22nd. It wasn't that long ago we were saying, boy, the Lightning are 27th, 28th in terms of their team defense. 
So they are they are within a whisker of Toronto for 21st. Then there's a little bit of a gap. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take some work for them to get up above the halfway point, but getting from 28th, 29th to 22nd basically in this time frame has been impressive. And I agree with you about Vasilevsky. Like he he's had some games where he has allowed 3 but that has not been an indictment of his play. He no. has been he has looked more like Vasilevsky, for lack for sure. of a better way of putting it, yep. in in these last several weeks, I would say. For sure. And it, it's not to discount what the Lightning are doing defensively, but the Lightning don't have to be great defensively if Vasi is on his game for them to be hard to score on, Dave. And if Kucherov is on his game. For sure. And, I mean, look, <laughs> you want them defending, and, and that's that's a big reason why they they made the Stanley Cups. They won the Stanley Cups. They defended hard. But they also played with the puck. Mm-hmm. You and I can have that conversation, too, where, you know, actually out of the three options, elite goaltending playing with the puck and the Lightning being sound defensively, if you were to kind of rank those as to what is the recipe, what's the most successful recipe for the Lightning to be good defensively. I mean, you could almost make the case. Let's start with Vassy because we've seen them win series when the team maybe hasn't been great defensively and they win. I think playing with the puck is a big deal for the Lightning when it comes to how are they viewed defensively. And then I think third, yeah, you want them playing hard and defending for sure. But I think there is a couple of other elements there that they are better at. And, you know, it's a situation where uh, if you see the big cat feeling good I think his teammates feel good and I, I I think there's a there's some synergies there but you know look we may look back and say was that Detroit game the one that really got things going even though it was in a loss I mean how good was he mm-hmm. and uh, I know his play had been good before then for sure but I think if Kucherov is going to continue to perform the way he's performing if the Lightning are going to be even if it's just average to slightly above average defensively, team-wise, that's a big deal. But then you have the elite goaltending. I think it's it's something to keep an eye on. And if those three, even two out of the three, uh, are pretty consistent from here on out, I think the Lightning are going to move up those standings. And again, they're going to be a team partner that not a lot of teams want to play because now you're you're factoring in the goaltending and then the elite playmaking that you're seeing from Kucherov. And I just think that's a tough... It's not impossible to beat, obviously, but now the Lightning are, are kind of coming at you with with all of their assets going into a game, and, and they can be hard They can be hard to defend and beat. And again, I keep going back to a seven-game series because we think they're going to make the playoffs, but in any game, that's going to be a challenge for any team, regardless of how well they're playing, to knock off the Lightning... And compete because, listen, last night was a lot about special teams. We, we could talk about strength on strength, and the Lightning won that battle. Yes. That was a big deal. And Kucherov was a big reason for that, for sure. But also Vassy was a big reason on the other end, too. So the Lightning are not in a secure playoff spot in terms of their standings position. But they're in a much better spot than they were before the 16-game span. So now they are a little bit more in the driver's seat. I mean, I guess you're always in the driver's seat because if you have 40 games left and you win all 40 of them, you're going to make the playoffs, right? I mean, look at Edmonton. Edmonton has taken charge of its situation. The Oilers have won 14 in a row. 
I mean, that has not gotten them into first place in their division, which tells you where they were beforehand. So understand that teams do control their own destiny to an extent, but winning 14 in a row is very rare. I was just reading the NHL record for consecutive wins in a regular season is 17. The Penguins did it in 92-93. Now, they had to deal with ties, right? (laughs) So that, in a way, is more impressive, and probably some of those Montreal teams from the 50s and 60s and 70s might have won more than that, if not for ties, because when the game ended after 60 minutes and it was tied, there was no overtime. There was no shootout. Be that as it may, that's a discussion for another day. The Lightning have put themselves in a better position, which means that they are more in the driver's seat than they were. So as they are in the driver's seat, they will continue to try and improve their game. Because teams like the Boston Bruins or pick a team that's way up in the standings, Colorado, Winnipeg, like if your standings position is way more secure than the Lightnings, what are those teams saying? We're trying to get our game in shape for the playoffs. And that can be tough when you don't have as much at stake. The Lightning have been in that boat before. The Lightning still have a lot at stake. But as they are playing these meaningful games, they're going to look to improve their game. Because I still think there is a, a vast gap between where they are and where they would like to be. Mostly defensively. So... That's what they're going to use these final, whatever, 34 games. Is that where they're at? They played 48. So that's kind of the objective. Keep getting points. Keep putting together streaks or good stretches. They bounce back from the regulation loss with a win, which we talked about as, as a very important point. But as they are doing that, try and get their game sharper and, and geared up. And if you do that, you know, you are going to get rewarded. In the standings, that's the whole process, right? Versus outcome or process with outcome, right? Like, if your process is good, your outcome should follow, as opposed to kind of rope doping it. The Lightning are not rope doping it right now. I mean, maybe an odd game here or there, where you might say, yeah, they kind of got away with one, but for the most part, they're earning what they're getting. I think. When we get into last night's game, I mean, you sometimes ask. Get right into it. Yeah, like when we see a team, <clears throat> excuse me, for the first time, and then the next day when we come on the show, you say, you know, what did you think about that team as advertised? The Flyers were not as advertised. I think this was an outlier game for the Flyers. Did the Lightning have something to do with that? Did Kutra have something to do with that? Maybe. But for a team that came in with the eighth, defes- the eighth best defensive numbers in the NHL, they gave up probably more chances than they normally do, and the strength on strength, right? It's it's rare for the Flyers to give up even one power play goal in a game, let alone two. And I mentioned it on the broadcast at the end of the broadcast last night. I looked it up. The last game in which the Flyers allowed two power play goals and only two, they had a game early in the year where they gave up three, the second game of the year. But since then, they had not. <laughs> The last time they allowed more than one power play goal in a game was November 10th. That's how good their penalty kill is. So they had an off night on the penalty kill. 
I didn't see a lot of the post-game quotes from the flyer side, but I saw one one clip from Torts. I read it. I didn't see it. And, you know, he said, they're not as deep as they used to be, but their power play really hurt us. I'm paraphrasing here. We took two dumb penalties, and and they came back to bite us. And actually, I mean, in a way, the Lightning scored three power play goals because Kucherov's first goal came two seconds after a penalty expired, so the guy coming out of the box had not yet gotten back into the play. That was Ristolainen. The other two penalties the Flyers took, Lightning scored in the power play. So isn't it interesting that the coach of a team that has just been lights out on the penalty kill is basically saying the two dumb penalties cost us the game. I'm sure those aren't the first two dumb penalties the Flyers have taken in games this year, and normally those two dumb penalties wouldn't hurt them. Last night it did. So for the Flyers, I think this was a little bit of an outlier game in how they defended and the fact that they were on the wrong end of the special teams metric. What was consistent for the Flyers was they tend to outshoot teams, and they did outshoot the Lightning last night. They do block a lot of shots, and they blocked a lot of shots last night. They were credited with, they added one at the end of the game. So the Lightning had 24 shots blocked, but the Flyers blocked 23 of them. And this is a new stat this year. I, I've started to notice this on the on the game sheets, and I think I mentioned to you, Greg, like, how is that possible? Well, they actually have a distinction now that if a team shoots the puck and it hits one of their own players, that is technically a shot that is blocked, but it's not blocked by the other team. So that's how you can have a disparity, and that makes sense. But most times when a shot is blocked, it's the other team that is blocking the shot. And the Flyers helped out Sam Ayerson by blocking shots last night. So they were... They were as advertised in that regard. But the Lightning were able to break down the Flyers, probably more than I was expecting them to based on how Philadelphia had been playing. Now, having said that, they gave up seven on Saturday to Colorado, and they gave up five to Ottawa on Sunday. I think there were some empty netters in there, just like they gave up two empty netters to the Lightning last night. So maybe they're hitting a little bit of a rut defensively. For the Lightning, what did they do defensively? We heard the clip from Coop. He didn't like their defensive game at all Sunday in Detroit. He liked it a lot last night. I will beg to differ a little bit again. Coop's listening to the show. He's like, what are you talking about, Michigan? You're not behind the bench. I'm the coach. I know what I'm seeing. I thought the Lightning had a really, really good defensive third period, and I thought they battled in the first. I thought they had a pretty good defensive first period. I was not I was not enamored with their defensive work in the second period. The Flyers really put the Lightning in a lot of uncomfortable situations, I felt, in the second period. They had 32 shot attempts, and that was a period in which the Lightning had two power plays. They scored on both, but some of that time, like the Lightning were on the power play. So the rest of the time, the Flyers were generating all these shot attempts. The Lightning were having massive problems clearing the zone. And the one five-on-five goal that the Flyers scored in the game, which was the first goal of the game, happened. How many times do we say this? The Lightning were stuck in their own zone in the second period. They got the puck out, but they didn't get it down the ice. And so all they could do was execute a partial change. The puck came back in. They had tired guys stuck out there. Who was out there? I think Point and 
and Stamkos got on. Yes, they were fresh. But the other three guys had been stuck out there. And Lightning had the puck, couldn't clear it, got held in by Sean Walker. He feeds Farabee at the circle, and then Atkinson gets net front position and scores. So some of that is, yeah, the Lightning had a breakdown in front of the net, but some of that is they they had tired guys stuck out there because they didn't execute with the puck. But they got through the second period, and I think one of the reasons why they got, when I say got through, they went into the period up two, and they came out of the period up two. They helped themselves with the two power play goals, but also Vasilevsky was outstanding in that second yeah, period. So, like, it's not like he had 25 saves in the period. The Flyers had 14 shots on net, and they scored two. But look at the other 12 that they had. I'm not sure that they had a lot of, like, point blankers right in front, but they had a lot of shots through screens. In fact, the Drysdale goal in the power play, that was a screen set up by Tyson Forrester. He takes away Vasilevsky's eyes, and Drysdale puts it inside the post on the stick side. That... If Vassie sees that puck, I think he makes the save. It wasn't like a phenomenal shot where he picked a corner, but the Flyers are really good at getting net front positioning and taking away the goalie's eyes and tipping pucks. I don't know how many saves Vasilevsky had to make last night on deflected pucks. Shots from distance, the point or the top of the circle, either circle, that got through to him and changed directions. Yeah. And he had to fight it off. He had, that's why I made him a star. I see in the building they didn't. But I, I thought he was a big key to their victory, especially in the second period when the Lightning were back in their heels. And then you see York score in the opening minute of the third. That wasn't really, the Lightning backed in. So, okay, yeah. they have to own that. That's a great play by York. I mean, yeah. he takes a shot, perfect <laughs> blocks it. He follows, he bats it out of the air. How, I mean, about, it, look, how about NHL.com in the scoring summary? When they have the type of shot, yeah. bat. Yeah, he did. So look, tip your cap. That's a great yeah, was, play by a young yeah, defenseman who's got a lot of skill. He plays yep. on their first power play unit. Excellent play by him. So now it's 4-3 again. What's going to happen? I thought the Lightning really dug in defensively. And maybe that's kind of what Coop is, is thinking. I'm not going to speak for Coop. We heard the clip from Coop. He liked their defensive game. I love their defensive third period. So, again, the Flyers, it's not like they had four or five shots. They had 11 shots, and one of those was the the shot that went in from York. But I'm not sure that any of those other 10 were really overly dangerous. And the Lightning got pucks out. They got pucks in deep. They had some ozone time. They had chances. Arison had to make a handful of pretty tough saves. Remember one on Nick Paul where he went in front, he went forehand, backhand to forehand. Arison made a really good right pad save on him. He made a good save on Barry Boulay. In the slot, I thought the Lightning were actually the more dangerous team in the third period than the Flyers, and that was when they were up 4-3. to three. And it, I think kind of middle of the period to the near the end of the period, it yep. seemed like there were a lot of defensive zone face-offs the Lightning had to have, where they had an icing, and the Flyers had a shot that Vasilevsky made the save, covered, there was like a deflected puck over the glass, so it was in the Lightning's end. They had a lot of D-zone face-offs, and in the third period... Faceoffs are pretty close, 10-9 Philadelphia, but I felt the big ones, the important ones, the ones where the Lightning really needed a D-zone faceoff win to alleviate pressure, they won them. So I love their third period, and then the the final score was lopsided because the Lightning scored two empty netters in the final minute, but good for them. 
because they've had a lot of empty netters go against them. So nice <laughs> to see Hagel and Kucherov get rewarded with uh, with some empty net candy. So look, the Lightning lost the game in Detroit. Yep. But you know they come home for more points than games, four points in three games, and the two points they gave up to Detroit, they got back last night because Dallas did the Lightning a favor and they beat Detroit in regulation in Detroit. So the two teams are exactly where they were in relation to each other heading into the Sunday game. Lightning two points up on the Red Wings. Red Wings have a game in hand. You know, and oftentimes we talk about this too. It's not only the teams that you're chasing, Dave. It's bearing the teams below you, getting Mm -hmm. more of that daylight in between because we know how cluttered the – the standings can get. And Steve mentioned to to me, Greg, I mean, a lot of teams behind the Lightning in the East lost in regulation yesterday. Mm -hmm. For sure. So uh, I I actually think, uh, I don't know how our audience feels, and maybe we can throw that question out at Bolts Radio. Are you you feeling better about the Lightning's game now than you did a month or two ago? Are you cautiously optimistic if you were one of those naysayers? Now, listen... I acknowledge the the games played still can come into play here over the next, you know, couple of weeks. But, you know, the Lightning are starting to level out games played-wise with some other teams in the Eastern Conference, too. It's not as big as it was before, although Toronto, again, still has three games in hand, and mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye on that. But Detroit's at 47. You know, Philadelphia's at 48. And, and these are teams, the Islanders are at 47. There are some teams who are fighting for some playoff spots. Of course, Tampa Bay's in one right now where, you know, the Lightning are even with them now, close to it with games played. I want to make an observation about Kucherov last night. I didn't even talk about him, but yes, please go ahead. There's not much that I'm going to say that's going to be earth-shattering outside of I believe this. I I don't know if we're going to see it. Because I think people will look at Connor McDavid as a player. If there's anyone who, who can average two points per game during an 82 game season, it's going to be somebody like that, or maybe even a McKinnon. I have always felt that Kucherov, if there is going to be somebody who can make that claim, he can do it. And, you know, how many times have we looked at the score sheet, Dave? And maybe he's not making as big of an impact, but he's got two assists. Yeah. He's got 80 points through 47 games, Dave. And he's had big games, too. So when you say average two points a game, usually if you're getting close to that number or back in the day when when players could actually do it, you're not getting two points per game and that's it. You're having some games where you're getting one or you're held off the score sheet, but you're offsetting that with the four and five point games. That's true. And Kucherov has four games where he has produced four or more points this year. That's incredible. Two fours, including last night, a five and a six. So that's 19 points in four games. So what does he have, 80? He's got 80. So almost a quarter of his points have come in four games. So, which is I'm not I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm just saying like that's how you get to 80, right? Yeah. You have those monster games where the points are just raining down. And then you're being consistent the rest of the time. Did you see the stat that Kucherov has 11 three-point games? And the three-point games include the games that he has more than three. And he has 10 games in which he has no points. He has more three 
point plus games, 11, then points, then games with zero points, 10. And if you look at his game by game, of those 10 games that he was held off the score sheet, four of them came in the Lightning's first 10 games of the year. So starting with game 11, he's been held without a point only six times. I mean, that's that's incredible consistency. Yeah. Remarkable. On top of the the volume of points that he is accumulating. When you have these type of numbers, they there's a there are a lot of them that are kind of eye opening. I like this one. He's got eighty points. Off the top of your head, who do you think has the second most? And what do you think that number would be? Well, it's McKinnon, right? No, just for the lighting. Him? For the lighting, I mean. For the oh. Lighting. That's a good question. Point, right? So it's Braden Point with fifty. Yeah, points at Think about, about a point that. per game. That's what I mean. Like I mean, yeah, well, he's still difference. minus thirteen, and and I know people are going. He's got twenty two goals, fifty points through forty. I mean, he's a point per game player. Nikita Kucherov has thirty more points than him. Yeah. What's weird about that is a lot of times aren't they playing together? <laughs> well, you know I mean? yes, like, I will and, say in Braden Points, uh, not that he needs me to defend him. Point has not been as prolific on the power play this year. And I think one reason for that, I mean, let's not forget, he scored 51 goals last year. And he did a lot of damage from that bumper spot on the power play. Yep. Penalty kill units are taking that away. When he gets the puck, he's got one or two guys on him. He has not had a lot of clean looks from the slot. So the Lightning have found other ways to do damage. So in those other ways, Kucherov is usually involved. So I should actually look up and see the difference in power play points Which is between why the that, two of them. But that's what, like, you know, those numbers, they stick out. And well, they do. It's just weird, but, like, because typically point would be at 70 points. You know, I like understand on the power that, play. but point is not benefiting from the lightning success in the power play this year as much as Kucherov. So I'm going to go to points. Let's see. So Kucherov has 36 power play points and Braden Point has 18 I mean, Hedman and Stamkos have more power play points than Braden Point. So is that because Point is no longer effective on the power play? No. no. It means just... that they're taking him away, so yeah. the other guys are getting looks. Yeah. I think that's I... how I would explain it. Well, and you're looking at Hedman's numbers. I mean, how often did you say Hedman's, you know, performing pretty well? He's got yes. he's a point per game on the back end. Yep. He's a point per game on the back end. What I'm saying is that there are certain numbers when you start having a tremendous year that are going to stick out that you want to look at and say, that's that's just a phenomenal stat. I mean, that, that speaks to how good he is. 31 goals through 47 games, 80 points through 47. The next closest lightning is at 50. That's just, to me, that's remarkable. What's interesting is this too, and this speaks to the power play. With all of that success, Kucherov's only a plus one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's and he weird... was plus three last night to get I know. to plus one. There's a lot of weird things here, but um, I, I think he is the one player in addition to maybe a couple of others who could challenge two points per game. And I will say this. This is just my novice eye. The first goal he scored, where he's kind of like backing up. Yeah. I thought that was like just an incredible play. The velocity and where he put that puck. And gave, the puck was on edge, too. I know. Like To that. me, that might have been the most impressive goal he scored this year because of everything we just described. I mean, he practices goodness. that shot, though. You've seen it, Greg, at the end of every pregame warm-up. 
he practices that shot on the one-timer. It's usually Sergachev who's sliding it to him. Now, Hagel has gotten more than a couple of assists this year on plays exactly like that, where he's wired a cross-ice pass from the left side of the ice to the right side of the ice, and Kucherov's at that right circle and available for the one-timer. So, look, Kucherov is not just gifted. He's dedicated. I mean, we've we've heard that about him. We've read that about him. We've seen that in terms of just how he goes about his business. But people with, don't with understand the warm-ups what that means. And, the, and practice. Yeah, they don't understand, well, though, like that, that he's dedicated. And I'm saying that's that's a- accurate the way you're describing it. But it's like right, because know, he what practices does that, mean? that shot every single day, basically. But doesn't he have also at his house... Like synthetic yeah. <laughs> Well, right, like but no one's feeding him the puck. Like, it's no, hard to but practice like he can... shooting a puck on edge but he's and, working and his put craft. it in the upper corner. You know what else he probably... Chris Krenn had this, and, and Kucherov is as good as anyone yeah. at this particular skill. And, and when Chris went out and, and did the story on Kuch during the summer, he was working with Adam Oates, Kucherov was. The thing that he was working on the day that Chris got there, which probably means he's working on it other days too, over and over again is hard rims around the boards that he picks up on his backhand. Because that happens a lot on the power play. Where, whether it's Stamkos along the far boards, I say far boards, left circle, and he's under a little bit of pressure, and he has to get rid of it, he'll rim it, meaning that he 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 puts it around the boards. It's going around the boards. From Stamkos to the left circle, to the corner, behind the net, around the boards, to the other corner, and then back toward Kucherov. Kucherov cannot accept that puck on his forehand because he's a left-handed shooting player. He has to take it on his backhand. And how many times do you see a puck traveling with some zip on it bounce off a guy's stick trying to pick that puck up off the boards? And Kucherov, I mean, it's like he's, he's cradling an egg. I mean, he just he's able to... He's able to pick it up and control it. And a lot of times, maybe not a lot of times, but some of the times he has a guy bearing down on him. He can get the puck, settle it down, and then make another play. And and yes, is there natural ability there? Absolutely. But does he practice it over and over and over and over again? Because that's a game situation that's incredibly important. Yes. That's what I'm talking about with the dedication part of it. Yep. But the vision is is a natural gift he has, and the assist that he had last night, which was the AC Mont goal, again, it's not quite like picking up a rim, but Hedman <clears throat> shoots the puck, it goes wide, and when a, uh, a shot like Hedman's shot, which can get up to 100 miles an hour, goes wide of the net and hits off the end wall, that thing is exploding off the boards. And Kucherov, he's not standing far from the boards. He's at the goal line extended, basically. I mean, I have to see a replay to see exactly yep. where he was standing. But he's pretty close to the boards. Yeah. That thing comes off the boards, and Kucherov is able to one-touch it to Acemont. Perfect pass, and Acemont has it. That was an out. incredible play. The, incredible the, play. Yeah. Nobody was expecting it. Credit to Acemont for at least having the stick down. Yeah. I, honestly, like that, and he's getting some power play time, which is interesting, and we, we can talk about that a little bit. But the the thought process, you know, when people talk about what's your IQ, what's your hockey IQ, that's that's part of it. Like Kucherov, some, most guys, Dave, what would they do with that puck off the boards? 
Me. Well, if they could settle it down, which is no small feat, they're going to hold on. They're just trying to control it, right? But uh, Kucherov makes a world-class play. Yeah, he makes a one-touch pass yeah, off that. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So that, to me, that's interesting, and it's something to uh, – <laughs> just an observation for people out there at Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. Uh, is there anything else you want to take from that game? More assists from defensemen, which is great to see. Yeah, and the Lightning, you know, that's nice the Lightning have gotten assists all year. I think they're third in the league for assists by defensemen. Now, Hedman has done a lot of heavy lifting in that regard. We understand that. But, yeah, they got assists last night. I mean, maybe the most impressive assist by a defenseman was the Crozier assist. Where, I mean, he joined us post-game. And he said, I'm just trying to get a puck to the net. But he put it right where Point could deflect it into the goal. And he got yeah. it past the would-be shot blocker. We just talked about how good the Flyers are at blocking shots. That is correct. What was your impression of the, the Flyers, by the way, before we move on? Well, I, I, as I said, that, that probably was not an A-plus performance for Philadelphia. And the teams are going to meet again in about a month, right? The Lightning are, are there the final Tuesday in February as they were there the final, is it the final Tuesday in January? I guess technically we have one more Tuesday, but the Lightning will be in their in their bye week at that point. So maybe they're hitting a little bit of a rough patch. They've lost three in a row in regulation all at home. They actually, I think they go to Detroit next. So maybe they'll bounce back. And in that game, I would pull for the Flyers over the Red Wings because the Red Wings are in the same division. So the Flyers may be in a different spot in that they've gotten their game back in order when the teams meet in a month. But look, Konechny's a really, like, he's a good player. How many shots did he have last night? He's he's a little bit like Gallagher when Gallagher was younger <laughs> with Montreal. Like, he's an undersized guy. He's a little bit of a pest. He can score. They both wear the same number, 11. Konechny had three shots. Sorry, that's Sanheim. Konechny had four shots and 11 shot attempts. Yeah. He actually missed the net on six of his shot attempts. He was he was involved. I'm not surprised that he has eclipsed 20 goals this year. He's a very good player, and he's he's a heart and soul type of player. He's a torts type of player, I think. He plays the game the right way. He plays hard. It's like Atkinson, you know, those guys that they're chippy, but they can play a little bit too. Yeah, and Atkinson was Atkinson had a good game. I, I saw <clears throat> Torts's media in the morning. I mean, they are at a different location. They're in New Jersey for their morning skate, but the Flyers posted his press conference, and he was asked about Atkinson. And he's like, I've known Cam a long time. And he's like, I, I feel like he's just starting to get where he needs to get as far as producing goals. Because he's been a goal scorer in his career, but missing a full year. And for Couturier, he missed a year and a half. Like, okay, you're healthy, you're able to play, but are you where you need to be? And Torts felt that maybe Atkinson is getting there, just arriving. And he was he was pretty impactful last night. He had a nice tip on the the first goal, for sure. And they really like um, <clears throat> they like Drysdale. I mean, look, it was a controversial trade. He was impressive last night. He was more yeah, impressive right. in the game last night to me than in the times the Lightning saw him when he was playing in Anaheim. Sure, playing for a team that 
that has struggled as opposed to the Flyers, who are right now a playoff team. And I don't know, like Sanheim was in the doghouse last year. I know Torts called him out more than a couple of times, and he has kind of turned the corner this year. For, for much of the early part of the year, he was among the minute leaders in the NHL. So if he was playing a lot, that, mean, that means that, you know, he had – He'd corrected whatever Tortorella wanted him to correct. Once they added Drysdale, they've they've decided to just dress seven because they like their six before Drysdale arrived. So Sanheim is playing a little bit less. But you know what I noticed about him? He was way chippier than I remember him being before. In fact, he got into it with Hedman at the end of the second period. That's why the teams were skating four on four to start the third. So look, they have a good team. Do they have a game breaker? You mentioned that, like Kucherov. Probably not, but they have a lot of really good players, and they play hard. And last night, notwithstanding, they defend well. I mean, this Carter Hart situation. I know there's a lot of speculation, and this is on social media. I'm not breaking any story here, but we've seen a couple of players leave their NHL teams for personal reasons, at the same time that there's rumbling about this Team Canada investigation from the the 2018 World Juniors. And both Carter Hart and Dylan Dubé in Calgary, who took a leave of absence, were on that 2018 World Junior team. So people are unsure if the the two items are related. Uh, I guess there was a story that when I say London, I'm not talking about London, England, London, Ontario. And I don't know if that's where the World Juniors were were happening. If it was during the tournament, I'm not entirely certain. But London, Ontario, there was a report that the police were were looking to to basically talk to five players from that team. That was reported. So if that is the case, that is a whole other can of worms. And we're not going to get into that on the show because we are not qualified to talk about that. I have very little knowledge about the story, actually. I'm just kind of reading bits and pieces here and, and sharing what I saw. Whether it's that or whether it's Carter Hart just needs time away, and we see that sometimes for players. We wish him the best if if it's something that he needs to get straightened out. But it may be Sam Arison's net moving forward for the time being. And while he has had a very good year... He has split time with Hart. So how does he respond? Maybe he responds beautifully, right? Maybe a guy's like, I love playing every game, basically. But Cal Peterson, they got in the uh, – it was a trade last year involving Provorov. It was like a three-way deal, Columbus and L.A. That's how they got Sean Walker. So Peterson came from L.A. through Columbus. So he's the backup right now. But I think Arison's going to be – playing while hard is away from the team yeah they like him i mean he's a fifth round pick his numbers have been very good this year harrison i'm talking about yeah for sure at bolts radio if you want to get involved in that conversation you certainly can let me get to some tweets from our audience because we always like it um let's see here i've got a few um, uh, Anthony says, great example of a game when power play is scoring like crazy and refs changing their standards, middle of the game to keep it tight. Good defense overall, but same breaks go against us. Vassy should have had one goal allowed with his play now. 
I still think the D-Zone structure needs some work. Look at that. And then he did like a screenshot. So did he feel there were some calls they missed? I thought the refs let go some calls on both sides. I mean, Perbix, I think it was Perbix, got away with a high stick on Uli Lixel, who there was some debate on the flyer side how to say his first name because it looks like Oli. And so <laughs> we've been through this song and dance. I was talking to Jim Jackson and Tim Saunders before the game. I'm like, how do you say his first name? And they're like, we're trying to figure this out because it was just his second game this year. Apparently, he kind of changed it from last year, so they settled on Uli, O-L-L-E, Swedish, but Lixel is how you say his last name. He was the guy that, that Pervix got the stick up on. That was in the third period. They could have called a penalty there, but they let they let some stuff go on the Flyers, too. And I don't know about the second half of the game, but I remember distinctly Konechny punching Kucherov in the back of the head, and that was in the first period, and they didn't call penalty on it. Kucherov yeah. was down on the ice. He was. Yeah. What else did Anthony have to say? He said Kucherov gets a treatment of a third-line average player, no well, calls. Well, maybe like that's he what said. he's talking I've about. I've seen yeah. McDavid and McKinnon get free points, and Kuch in the same situation gets nothing. few times this season already. And the media side, of course, but he will not give the choice to ignore him. What does he mean by free points? Empty netters? He got one last night. Maybe. I don't know. I know the Oilers and Maple Leafs have complained that McDavid and Matthews get roughed up and 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 don't get the benefit of a call as well. So there may be there may be a little bit of a hometown bias there when we feel we the collective fan <laughs> feel that stars on other teams always get the calls and and the stars on the team that we're following they don't, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. Although Kucherov should have drawn a penalty. Konechny should have gotten a penalty last night for that one. Yeah. But I think they let stuff go on both sides. What else did he have in the tweet? Something about the, the D zone? Uh, let's see here. If he's talking about the second period, that's where I agree with him. So was it Anthony who had that? Anthony yeah, kind said, of saw at least that part of the game similar to He just to said, I still I think the D zone it. structure needs some work. Look at that. And he did a screenshot in the third period when the Lightning were up 4-3. And it basically had the screenshot he took where, like, all five players were close to the Flyers player along the boards. And I, I don't know if he's referencing, well, hey, you know, he's, they're all going there. Yeah, he's he's picking one screenshot, or he found that screenshot. I did like the Lightning's defensive game in the third period. I'd have to go back and look at that particular play or that moment and, and try and figure out what was happening elsewhere on the ice or what led to that moment. But... Look, you're never going to be perfect defensively. You're not. And I think the Lightning have improved. They are better now than they were in the first half of the year. They are way better now than they were in the first 10 games. Yep. I would agree with that. I would uh, I would wholeheartedly agree with that for sure. And I, I think we preface this by saying at the beginning, they're not a perfect match defensively i get that there are still some breakdowns and and believe me there are enough people out there who are going to point those out but i think they've gotten better correct and i think we all can yeah. understand that uh, I, to I, an extent i have to share an anecdote with you greg because i think this is enlightening and how the other team will look at the lightning right now <clears throat> and even torch said you know they're not as deep as they were and, 
Actually, we might take exception with that. Now, if he's talking about 2020 or 2021, fair enough. They don't have McDonough. They don't have Kalorn. They don't have Gord, Coleman, Goodrow, down the list. Plot, fair enough. But compared to last year's team, I mean, we feel like they, they are getting depth production. They're better on faceoffs. Their penalty kill is improved. I think they're getting more goal production from their bottom six. Their defensive numbers have not been as good team-wide. But is that due to the depth guys? I mean, if we look at the biggest minuses on the Lightning, it's not really the depth guys, right? It's, it's, it's some guys who were more in the top six. So... While I may take exception a little bit with that, this is what this was an exchange I had with Jim Jackson, who does the Flyers TV in the first intermission. So at that point, the Lightning are up two nothing, and I thought it was a, in terms of flow of play, I thought it was a fairly even first period. I think the stats reflect that. Shots were seven five Flyers, but attempts were seventeen fifteen Lightning. So the Flyers blocked a lot of shots in the first period, and. Jim Jackson's comment was, I can't understand why why the Flyers are not getting into the forecheck more in these two young defensemen. It's like they have how yeah. many games of NHL experience between them. And the Flyers did get on the forecheck more in the second period. They had way more success at making the Lightning uncomfortable in the second period. And Crozier and Lilleberg, those are the guys he was talking about, were were part of that. But here's the thing. Teams are looking at that pair and saying, we need to get in on them. What would the Lightning be saying if they were facing a team with two young defensemen, by young, I mean new to the NHL, who are playing together? They're in the same pair. What would we be saying previewing that game? You got to exploit these two young defensemen, get in the forecheck. Yeah. And understanding that, I think. It makes it even more impressive how Crozier and Lilleberg have played. Because other teams are trying to make them uncomfortable, and they have not really succeeded to this point. I mean, they haven't been perfect either, but they've been cleaner than some other defensemen, I think, when the Lightning have had their game go sideways a little bit. So keep in mind that the other team may be circling those guys and saying, <clears throat> this is a matchup we need to exploit, and they haven't been able to do it, really. No. You get more impressed with what the Lightning are doing back there with some of the younger players, uh, considering some of the examples you just gave. Uh, Anthony says, by the way, free points I'm talking about is the first goal, for example, where Cooch could have received a point. McDavid got a oh. free assist when yeah. three other teammates touched the puck, and same with McKinnon. Well, it was that Lixel again. Lixel pokes the puck away. Uh, I had said on the air I thought he should have gotten an assist, and then when I saw the replay, I was like, it was kind of a 50-50. Yeah. So, look, if the Lightning feels strongly enough about it, they can they can ask the league to look at the video, particularly because he's in a scoring race, Kucherov. But I think they would lose that argument because technically Lixel, like he poke-checked the puck and, and the puck changed directions. Yeah. If it had, like, bounced off his skate, that would have been different. But he did play with his puck, uh, play the puck with his stick. What are you making now? The... Now his point: if that were a game played in Toronto, where Matthews made that pass, would he get an assist? Maybe. 
but the Lightning were the road team last night. Yeah. And a lot of people have complained about the secondary assists in hockey. Yeah. But I don't know how strongly I feel about it one way or the other, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. You can get some... You can get some cheap points. We say cheap, you know. You can. Not all secondary assists are created are equal. That like sometimes the secondary assist is the critical play leading to the goal, and other times it has nothing at all to do with it has the goal being scored. It that is that is for sure. I think that's a, a very valid point at Bolts Radio. Uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation, uh, you did mention uh, AC Mont briefly there, and he he's just. Quietly, maybe not quietly, been a productive player this year. I mean, yep. I, when you talk about what you expected from a player coming into the season, Dave, I, I didn't have high expectations for AC Mont. I, I really didn't. I mean, he's kind of grown on me and, and and on a lot of, I think, fans in terms of what he's been able to accomplish this year. I mean, he's he's gritty enough, some would say, and I think Phil probably makes this observation, kind of steps over the line. At times, but I mean, he's chipping in offensively more than I anticipated. You know, maybe that play that, that Kucherov off the boards and say, I mean, you, you need to have a little skill there to at least understand that there's a chance mm-hmm. that puck's coming to me. And, you know, I don't know what that means. Is that is that more ice time for the guy moving well, he, forward? I don't he know. He played with Hagel and Sorelli last night. I mean, not the entire game. Because the Lightning had 11 forwards, so they were mixing and matching. But he's getting some second unit power play time, and he's chipped in a couple of power play goals recently, right? He scored against Minnesota on the homestand. He scored last night. These are power play goals I'm talking about. He has eight this year, and he's actually scored 10. He's had two goals taken away. Yep. With the coach's challenge. Good point. And, and neither challenge had anything to do with him scoring the goal. I mean, even that Ranger game. I maintain that goal should have counted where Shesterkin got the benefit of the the call, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. You also mentioned, you know, Victor Hedman shooting the puck, you know, and especially on the power play with that big shot. We talked about this before, you know, the different options on the power play. And, you know, Victor Hedman is, is somebody who, you take a look at what he can provide from that back end, keep bombing away. And I, I actually think that's leading by example because I, I think if the other players, the other defensemen, when they get an opportunity to let it rip, let it rip. Good things happen. I mean, DeHaan is picking up assists. Perbix is picking up assists. Now, some of these pucks are getting through, and uh, some of it they're just making the right decision passing-wise. But I do think, and again, they're doing this without the services of Mikhail Sergachev. And Chernak to a lesser extent, but this back end, Dave, all of a sudden is starting to be, uh, you know, a pretty complete one. And it's, it's going, you know, two, three, four deep. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really exciting. We have a a question here before we sign off. This is a Facebook from Sean. He says, any particular reason or reasons the Lightning aren't playing more of a physical game? Watching last night in Philly, again, it seemed like we were outplayed in part from the physical part of the game. I, I well, Lilleberg plays a physical game. Chernak plays a physical game when he's in there. I think Hagel plays a physical game. 
end of the four check. I mean, what is he talking about tomorrow or yesterday's game specifically? I mean, yeah, I I think he's making a general point. He said last night was another example of the Lightning being on the short end of kind of how physical the game is. Like the other team is more physical than them. I'm not sure that I I completely agree with the overall premise. I mean, some players are just more physical than others, right? But when the Lightning are in the forecheck, like, they're pretty physical. What is the Lightning's strength as a team? Probably, I mean, in addition to the fact that they have high-end players who can make dazzling plays, when they are going, they are a very tough team to deal with when they're in the forecheck. And you're not going to have success as a forechecking team if you aren't physical. Like, they get in on the other team's defenders, and they make body contact, and they dislodge pucks. So, I mean, clearly, Sean is not referencing that. And some teams do play more physically. It is true. I'm not sure the Lightning have ever really been cut from that cloth during the time that John Cooper has been the head coach, and Iserman first, and now Breezebaugh as the GM. But they play tough. They have guys who will drop the gloves in, in that regard, and they have guys who will deliver big hits. He's injured right now. Tanner Janot is certainly a physical player. Yeah. Brian has mentioned not just Lilleberg, but Crozier too. Both of them take the body in the defensive zone. He likes that. They try to separate the puck carrier from the puck. As Chief often says, you don't need to put the guy through the glass, but you can put a body on the player. I think we're seeing that from from the Lightning. For sure. There are some I, teams yeah. that, that just, I mean, the hit stat, you know what I think about that, Greg. I do. <laughs> but, I mean, there are some teams that, that tend to be at the top of the league in terms of hits. I'm not sure the Lightning are ever going to be one of those teams. Even baking into the cake the subjective nature of that stat. And, I mean, he, so, look, if we want to believe the hit stat, on the game sheet I have from last night's game, the Lightning were credited with only eight hits. Okay, that's a low number, but the Flyers only had 14. I mean, that's not that's not a huge advantage for Philadelphia. It's not like they had 35 hits that they were credited with last night. It is not. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Arizona in town. Lightning in Arizona. Who can we get from Arizona? I feel like... Well, they won't be in probably in the morning because they play the Panthers tonight. Okay. By the way, can I give a mea culpa? I was not following the Penguins as closely as I should have when I was talking about them playing a back-to-back in Arizona in the second half. They had played Vegas two nights earlier. So there was absolutely no excuse for them (laughs) to be tired or dealing with time zone changes. They're not very They got to Arizona and had plenty of rest. Let's not end the the puck into their own net. Let's not end the show on a sour note. They stink. Can I say that? No, that's right. I can be. I can be. Long road trips can be tough, though. I mean, that's why we've talked about, you know, the Lightning have done a lot of their heavy lifting in terms of the long road trips. They have one left out to California. But Arizona, presumably, is starting kind of a long trip because they were just home and they beat Pittsburgh. And now they were starting a trip against the Panthers tonight. They're a pretty good team. They are a much better team this year. I think they have surprised. Maybe not as much as the Flyers, but Arizona's done well. Arizona is right now ninth in the West, two points out of the second wild card, Mm -hmm. with a game, two games in hand on Nashville. Yep. So they're right there. They are. 
No doubt about that. Partner, we appreciate you. We'll do it again tomorrow, noon to one. Talk Thanks to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Thanks to all of you who listen. We appreciate it. At Volts Radio on X, I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.